Welcome to the Real Talk with Dana podcast. I'm your host, Dana Monsi's licensed dietitian, nutritionist, and body image coach. On this show, you'll learn how to listen to and trust your body instead of trying to control it. We'll dig into the healing power of nutrition from a non-diet, weight-inclusive, health-at-every-size approach. My guests and I will guide you through how to heal from digestive issues and hormonal imbalances, all while making peace with food and your body without obsession or restriction. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the podcast. So today we are going deep on a topic that we haven't talked about that much on the podcast today. So we're going to be talking about mold and chronic inflammatory response syndrome and neuroplasticity healing with Carrie Eckert. So Carrie is a holistic health coach, a friend of mine from grad school, and the author of the new book, Going With My Gut. We're going to be talking about Carrie's healing journey from mold and chronic inflammatory response syndrome and the different modalities that she used to help heal from that, including neuroplasticity. We're also going to be talking about the effect of mold on the brain and the immune system and how to tune in and listen to your body to aid in the healing process. One more thing before we get started today, big thanks to Just Thrive for sponsoring today's episode. So you can get 15% off research-backed gut health supplements at justthrivehealth.com with coupon code DANA. We've known each other for so long, but we haven't yet done this. And it's like, why haven't we done this yet? So for people who don't know you, please tell them a little bit more about you. And I would love if you could start with your health journey, where you started from what you call dysfunction and dis-ease to recovery. Okay, well, it's, it's a long story. So I'm going to give you a condensed version. We'll just see where we go from there. Um, But it basically started back in 2011 when I was feeling, I thought, fine. I just had uh, allergies that lasted four months. That's January through April in Florida. That's allergy season. And I tended to have a cold every other month. And I felt like my immune system was kind of weak, but no big deal. Just typical motherhood stuff. And my older son, who was in first grade at the time, started to have this weird cyclical vomiting. He would throw up like clockwork every 10 days. And sometimes it was seizure-like and it really concerned his, um, his teachers. And so we started investigating that and went through several months of many doctors trying to figure out what was going on. And it was largely just passed off as some ongoing virus or something. He, he checked out on all the different specialists. And so after months and months of this, I decided to um, investigate doing an elimination diet. And this is 2011. So this you know, wasn't big yet, but I'd heard some talks about you know, gluten and dairy potentially being troublesome. So I started with dairy with him. It was easier. And we eliminated all dairy from his diet. And within weeks, we noticed that he was no longer vomiting or feeling upset stomach. And then we kept him off dairy strictly for two years from then on, but he didn't throw up again for seven years. So I thought that we were possibly onto something. Uh, about nine months to a year later, my younger son started, started going through the same cyclical vomiting thing. So we did the same routine with him and he started 
healing very quickly. So, but in between the two of them getting sick, my health um, got better and then plummeted. I started seeing that food as medicine was really powerful. So I jumped on the vegan bandwagon and started just chose that direction and went into kind of doing the pH diet type stuff and originally saw a lot of really great health benefits, got energy back, um, my seasonal allergies disappeared, um, just felt really good, mind was clear and that lasted for a couple of months. And then moving into 2012, uh, started to, to, to realize some kind of troubling symptoms. Fatigue started setting in, GI discomfort, um, different aches and pains. And so I got a little confused about what was going on. And <clears throat> that spring 2012, I contracted some sort of respiratory virus that the whole house got. And it was from that point on that I could not seem to recover my fatigue. The rest of my family, you know, just recovered as they normally would. And I, from then on, was sleeping 16, 18 hours a day. Um, symptoms started piling on top of symptoms. And that's when my journey into investigating my health began. The starting point. <laughs> it's funny because, you know, in functional medicine, we always talk about, okay, well, what's the root cause or what was the trigger? And it's so interesting that a lot of people cannot pinpoint a single trigger because they have so many different things, but that you were able to pinpoint that one event. So I know that you mentioned it took you a really long time to figure out like what that was and what was going on. So how did you finally figure out what was going on? And then how did you start to approach doing something about it? It took, I don't know, nine months to a year to actually get into the more holistic approach to healing. Like most people, I went ahead and started looking at mainstream um, approaches. I was seeing that food as medicine was helpful. So I continued on that route and started to play around with different diets and actually took kind of a drastic turn and went from, you know, more of a vegan outlook on diet to a little bit more paleo-ish. Um, the threads that were the same were that I was still eating um, fresh food, making food from scratch, trying to get organic, you know, that all that stuff was good. But I, I realized that I was possibly needing to add in some meat. My gut was compromised and I just wasn't able to absorb the nutrients from all the raw vegan foods. So um, I was doing that, but in terms of um, kind of the other symptoms I was having that weren't GI related, I, I kind of started thinking maybe hormones were imbalanced. So I went to an endocrinologist. I kept getting blood work like every three months from my primary care physician, trying to see what was going on with white blood cell count, red blood cell count, all the different things. And nothing was really showing up all that big. Uh, the endocrinologist did say that my thyroid was you know, out of their range and so tried to start me on Synthroid, but um, my body didn't like it at all. Even a, a micro baby dose, which was I think a fourth of the lowest dose he could, dose he could give me, I, I split it in fourths and still felt very anxious and off with it. Um, so anyway, after several different mainstream doctors, I was kind of serendipi serendipitously introduced to a functional medicine doctor out in California through my brother. And 
we started working, I met her and then ended up working with her remotely. And she started taking me into the root causes of illness instead of just kind of putting on, you know, taking Band-Aid approaches. She um, continued to help me work with diet, but then also worked with certain supplements, you know, diagnosed the MTHFR gene mutation. She mentioned that I could have things like chronic Lyme and um, Epstein-Barr virus, but she was hesitant to have me go get diagnosed with those things because the treatment path would be the same regardless from her perspective. I was still going to need to heal from the inside out with um, the different approaches we were taking. And, and it can be a slippery slope if you go get too many diagnoses, you start to identify with them and, and you kind of let them take you down and derail you. So we just kept chipping away at it slowly. And she just kept reminding me that, you know, healing from the inside out takes time and to be kind and patient. It's so interesting that you mention um, when you get too many diagnoses, or I would say when you finally get a diagnosis after a really long time, it's honestly hard not to identify with that because it has been consuming so much of your physical and mental space for such a long time. So how did you prevent that from happening to you? Or if it did happen to you, how did you find your way out of it? I guess the two diagnoses that I really was given that I latched onto are kind of quote trash can diagnoses, or the diagnoses that, that you're given when there's really no answer. And those were chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia. Um, Fortunately, I, the fibromyalgia didn't take me down. There's a whole story with the different aches and pains I had, but I was able to um, work through those without really identifying too um, strongly with them. But the chronic fatigue really was a battle for many years. Um, when after that virus in April of 2012, I, months went by and I couldn't get my fatigue back. And then I was given that label of chronic fatigue. It was oh, really hard um, to overcome this idea that I would have to take multiple naps every day to function. That I would have to rearrange my day around my naps. That I would have to make sure that um, my kids were taken care of, you know, with a TV show or a, a video game on the iPad or something as soon as they got home from school so that I could nap because I kept telling myself I wouldn't be able to function without it. So I don't know if that answers your question. It did take me down. Um, I don't know if you were asking if it, if I was found a way not to be taken down, but I was. <laughs> I was. Yeah. I mean, most people are, right? It's kind of like I think your answer is a permission slip that it's okay to be taken down by something like that because how could you not be, you know? And we, I think especially as women, we try and like be super mom or super woman and, you know, try and do everything. But at the same time, that illusion of control and perfectionism can actually contribute to even more of these health challenges. It was really hard for me having come from being an energizer bunny, um, Martha Stewart type when it came to, you know, doing the things, doing the parties and preparing the house and keeping it clean and making everything look perfect. And like I said, having always had energy to then have to 
go with this new identity. And, and so I, I was constantly fighting. I was constantly fighting, battling myself, battling my body, being angry with my body. Um, yeah, it was, it was very uncomfortable, those two extremes. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so let's fast forward a little bit. And I would love if you could talk about mold and chronic inflammatory response syndrome. Okay, so um, while I was still investigating and trying to, to heal, and I was working with my functional medicine doctor and slowly making progress, we were a couple years into this at this point, we moved um, further south in Florida and didn't realize it until we were in the house, fully settled, several weeks into it, that we were living in a house full of mold. Um, I didn't realize this because you know, I was kind of sick anyway. It was hard to determine if there were new symptoms and what they could be related to. But one night I went and slept in my son's room because my husband was having an unusually loud snoring night, I guess. And um, I woke up the next morning and felt like I had been hit by a truck and my face was swollen. Um, it was mainly allergy type symptoms and realized that my son had been saying that he had a cold ever since we moved in. And I realized this was not a cold. He was, he was reacting to something that was emanating from his room. And so that's when we started to uncover mold in the house. And that was a nine to 12 month uh, ordeal of finding it. And it did stem from his bedroom right above his bedroom. It was an air handler that was leaking in the air conditioning system. And it had, the leak had been going on for years, had traveled down the walls, down into the floorboards, ended up culminating in eight or nine rooms down to the studs and kind of recreating this house from scratch in many ways. But um, so during that, that's when, um, since I realized that I was being affected by mold and not just acute symptoms, like I just said, not just the, the puffiness and the itchiness and the congestion, I realized that that was also contributing to um, the brain fog, the continued fatigue, actually the fatigue was worse, uh, the anxiety, the bouts of anxiety and depression that went back and forth. Um, that just not feeling like I was me, feeling crazy, honestly, it really affects your brain. And um, so anyway, when we discovered that mold was in this house and that was another thing that was uh, affecting my health, I started researching mold illness. And that's when I came across Dr. Shoemaker's work and SIRS, Chronic Inflammatory Response Syndrome, I discovered I had been following Dave Asprey um, and his Bulletproof you know, platform. And so I discovered that he had a movie called Moldy Movie and I got that. And that really, I guess the biggest light bulb in that was that there was such a direct connection between breathing mold and these kind of mental imbalances in addition to the physical imbalances in the body and that other people were suffering. And I felt like, I felt both hopeful because I had um, a route, a new route to take to investigate. Also a little bit scared because some of the people that were profiled in that movie had gone so far as to live out in the middle of the desert to avoid any 
you know, exposure to toxins. So um, I knew I didn't want to go down that route. So I started investigating SIRS certified or shoemaker protocol, shoemaker protocol doctors found one that was willing to work with us or me on Skype and did all the blood work, which was very expensive, found that I definitively had SIRS. I want to say um, for an adult, a SIRS diagnosis is given when you have, I could get this wrong, four or five out of 10 of the, of the markers that they take with the blood work. And I had eight or nine. So I definitely had it. I had the dreaded HLA gene, which is supposedly the worst one. Add that to what I already knew I had, which was a homozygous A1298C MTHFR gene mutation. That's a mouthful. And basically I discovered that my body doesn't know how to detoxify. So anytime I um, was breathing in mold or encountering other environmental toxins, um, either through the air, on my skin, um, in what I was eating, my detoxification pathways were very compromised. So it, it took a lot more to get those out of my body than, than most people. And so in working with this, uh, Shoemaker Protocol doctor, he gave me hope. He gave me uh, some medications to start on. The only thing that didn't sit well with me is that, you know, he said that the, I took well call, but some people take cholestyramine, the binder, would be temporary. He did say that if I wanted to um, be able to not have chemical sensitivities, it's called multiple chemical sensitivities, which can be another thing that comes along with mold illness, that, that once we got towards the end of this protocol, I'd start on a medication that I'd have to be on for the rest of my life. Additionally, I would not be able to be in moldy buildings for very long for the rest of my life. And the idea of having those two things, things that you're like sentences for the rest of your life, felt very shackling to me. Okay, quick break time to talk about today's sponsor, Just Thrive Health. So one of the reasons that I wanted to focus on gut health with this month's episodes is because the gut plays a massive essential role in regulating and supporting your immune system, which I don't think I need to remind you a year into this global health crisis that we're in is extremely important. And even more pressing than that, the more stressed that you are or the more burned out that you feel, so building on our theme from last month all about the nervous system, the more important it is to support your immune system however you can, which can become downregulated the longer your body is in a fight or flight state. One way you can support your body's immune system is by going straight to the front lines by supporting your immunoglobulins. So when your immune system detects an unwanted visitor, it sends out these powerful first responders to kind of keep the peace. So immunoglobulins or IgG make up almost 80% of your total immune system's protectors in the body. So in addition to the lines of probiotics and prebiotics that you've been hearing about from Just Thrive, one of their new products is specifically designed to support IgG modulation to help your body maintain a balanced and strong immune response, in addition to encouraging optimal digestion, promoting the optimal absorption of essential nutrients, and also maintaining healthy gut barrier function. So if you're interested in supporting your gut and your immune system, go check out Just Thrive's gut supportive products, and don't forget to use the code DANA for 15% off your order. And as always, make sure you are working with a licensed practitioner before you start taking any kind of supplements. 
I started on the protocol, but it was in within weeks of starting on it that I found out that this program, this neuroplasticity program that I had been introduced to years before my, by my functional medicine doctor was actually coming to my backyard. It was coming to Florida. And the woman, Annie Hopper, it's called DNRS, the woman who created it also had dealt with mold illness and she helps people with this neuroplasticity program to overcome chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, multiple chemical sensitivities, all the different things. And she's from Western Canada, I believe it's Western Canada. And so for her to be bringing this program to South Florida was huge. And within a month of me having this diagnosis, I, I felt like this was divine intervention and that I needed to take this opportunity to go to this course in, or this workshop in person. And so I did. And then the trajectory changed once again. <laughs> yeah, well, that's amazing. I mean, such a great, coincidence, right? Because who knows where you would be now if you didn't have that. So I want to back up a little bit. And why is mold illness or chronic inflammatory response syndrome so incredibly hard to treat? I don't know that I have a good answer for that. I think there are so many factors. I mean, from what I've, I've I could maybe offer a few things. I think you probably need to ask a shoemaker protocol doctor who could give you more information on this because I didn't stick around with it long enough to really get in the weeds of the diagnosis. Once I had it and I heard about the sentence that I was going to have, I didn't want to be in that identity anymore. I wanted to get out. So I really kind of, a part of me said, you know, we don't want to investigate this anymore. We want to find another route. Um, one thing that I know that can make it sticky is that it often coincides with, coincides with chronic Lyme. So I, that would be one answer why it's so difficult. Um, and a lot of the, those who treat are treating both in, together. Well, even just the journey that you went through, I mean, it took you so long to get to this point, right? So it's like you went through Western allopathic medicine and then you went through functional medicine, but then it would still would require you to be on a medication for the rest of your life and basically all of this like conditional healing, right? Or like conditional recovery. Like it's not really, you know, and it, you're thinking, is this really the best that we can do? You know, like we have modern medicine. Like why, why are there still things like mold in the environment, which isn't anything new? Like why is this so incredibly hard to get out of the system? And I think part of it also is that it's everywhere in the body. You know, it's not just a gut condition. It's not just a brain condition. It shows up in like every single system of the body, which is why I think one of the reasons it's so hard to get out. So speaking of that, you mentioned, you know, like neuroinflammation and everything like that. So talk about the brain on mold. <laughs> it's almost like I could see m myself acting crazy and not be able to stop it. I mean, I could, oh, I would get so angry. I mean, I can remember getting so aggravated with my husband about something and one day in my kitchen and literally throwing a piece of china across the room not i wasn't going to actually throw it at him but throw it across the room in anger but at the same time there was this really sane loving part of me saying 
Carrie, what are you doing? <laughs> this is not you. It was really, it was such a struggle to know that this was not me, but something was controlling me. Some, some, something had control of my brain and I was powerless to stop it. Um, and I, I don't know that there are many other times in my life that I felt that so strongly, strongly. Um, of course, I've got had issues with anger. I mean, many people do, but I, if I wanted to stop it, I could. In these moments, I almost felt like I couldn't. It was, it was weird. Really was. Yeah. So that's my, and then, um, and then there, there, the neuroses that went along with it too. And I don't know if that's partly the mold, partly just the fear that I'd been sick for so long, but um, my family still loves to make fun of me because we purchased this house. And then before we moved in, we added an addition to it. So this is what kind of caused even more issues with being stuck in this problem. So before we moved in, we had spent three months putting addition, an addition on the house. This is all before we knew that there was so much mold. And during that time, <laughs> I was afraid of um, chemicals. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I knew I had some sort of environment, environmental illness component of this chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia. So when we'd come in to check on the house, I'd have one of those, what are the masks, you know, that almost look like um, an elephant or something? They've got oh, like a thing. gas mask. Yeah, like a gas mask. And anytime I'd walk in the house, I'd be wearing my gas mask. Now, mind you, they're already using non-toxic everything, glues and this and that, non-toxic paints. I was so specific about everything they could use, but I still wouldn't walk in the house without this gas mask on. And um, they had to have thought I was crazy. <laughs> I mean, but there was no way I was going to walk in without it. I don't know. I just, there were a lot of neuroses that were heightened during this time too, so... That's the brain on mold and a, and a few snapshots. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, okay. So an extension of that, what about the gut and the immune system? I mean, you're the nutritionist, so you can tell me, but <laughs> during this time, this several year period when I was in all of this um, mystery illness mess, I felt like my immune system was at once heightened because I had autoimmune type of conditions, but it was also almost offline when it came to typical colds and stomach bugs and things that would just come through the house. It just, it didn't seem to notice them. Yeah. It's like chronically inflamed for all the, it's dealing with all these toxins, but it really doesn't have the energy to deal with the typical everyday viruses. So I don't know what that means. Were those building up in me as well? You know, my body wasn't fighting them from what I could tell. A similar phenomenon can happen in pregnancy, right? Because your body's just kind of like protecting you from everything. Some people's autoimmune disease will go into remission when they're pregnant because their body's like, nope, we're not dealing with this right now. We're just going to build this baby. And then afterwards you're going to deal with all of it. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's kind of what, what happened. That makes sense. And you know, I, I started, we met because I started the nutrition degree at MUIH with you. And then I switched gears into another 
program, but I do remember the immune system, my professor saying, this is my recollection, that is the most misunderstood or not understood um, systems in the body. There's just so much to learn and everybody is so different. Such a mystery. And it's really easy to get overwhelmed because there is there's so much information out there, but at the same time, there's still so much that we don't know. But what I want to kind of switch directions to talk about now is you talk about in your book, which we will plug later, that <laughs> your body is fully equipped to heal itself. You just need to learn how to turn out the external noise and kind of like the shoulds of everything that you feel like you should be doing in favor of turning internally to listen to your body's wisdom and intuition. So can you talk more about that? Yeah, I mean, I think in the beginning of my healing journey, that wasn't even on the radar that I had any internal wisdom. <laughs> That's not what we're taught. Um, the white lab coat syndrome is real. Um, we go to somebody else, they know better what's, what's best for us. So that's what I did. I mean, years of turning to other people to tell me what was best for me. Um, and it took years for me to realize that that was not going to work for me, that the answers were never found outside of me. Um, turning inward takes a lot of faith. It takes a lot of trust. It takes a lot of work at first, because when I was, even when I was healing holistically, even when I had moved beyond allopathic medicine and, you know, kind of quote, band-aid approaches, medicinal approaches, when I was using food as medicine, when I was using supplements, when I was using even um, some lifestyle measures like yoga and um, acupuncture and holistic things that I could be doing, those were still in many ways outward in modalities. You're still taking something tangible and bringing it into your body to help you heal. When I started doing DNRS, the neuroplasticity program, and started to try to use the power of my mind to heal my body, it's uncomfortable and it's hard. And the battling that goes on in your mind is a lot to overcome in addition to the faith and the trust that something this weird is, is going to actually heal your body. What does the neuroplasticity healing look like? What, do, what does that entail? Some people think when we talk about the mind healing the body, that it's mind over medicine or just think good thoughts or just meditate and just zen out and just ohm. And it's not that. The thing about this is I call it more um, self-directed um, neuroplasticity. So there are certain tools that help you when you are either faced with a trigger that you know is going to wreak havoc on your body or you're symptomatic, where you actually go in in those moments and you harness the power of the mind to heal the body. And it's there are kind of two parts to it. One, you learn the tools that you would use in those moments. 
by practicing them off the field. So some of it requires some inner dialogue, some of it requires some self-inquiry, some of it requires um, embodiment and feeling into the physical sensations of the body. There's all different kinds of tools, but when you create a practice of um, using these tools off the field just every day in a space that you create for yourself, then when you're faced with the heat of the moment and you're feeling symptomatic or you're feeling a trigger that you know is going to cause symptoms, you can implement these tools and the brain and body know where you're going. You've been practicing it. It's like the the first baseman who really wants to be a pitcher. And, you know, one day he thinks he can go out and just start pitching. Well, he hasn't practiced. He's not going to be able to be out there in the big game and have his arm and body and shoulders and movements know what to do to, you know, so if he'd been practicing pitching off the field for months beforehand, then he'd know in the heat of the moment, how his body would know where it's being directed. It's kind of like that with the neuroplasticity. We practice it off the field so that it's ready to be used on the field. And when you do it in the moment, when you do it when you're symptomatic or triggered, then you're actually taking old neuropathways in your brain that are used to taking you down a certain path, a certain physical, hormonal, detrimental path in your body, and you start to make so wiggle those neural pathways a little bit and create new pathways that are stronger um, or that are maybe not stronger yet, will be stronger, but are more beneficial to your body. Is that clear as mud? Yes. <laughs> clear <laughs> as mud. <laughs> no, it, it definitely makes sense. And, you know, I, I talk, to this, uh, talk about this with my clients frequently when we're talking about um, habits that we have, especially when we're thinking about thought patterns with our relationship with food and relationship with our bodies, right? If you have a certain, let's say, negative body image thought, and then your mind goes to, okay, this is a problem. I need to fix it. I go to the solution, quote unquote, that we commonly hear from diet culture is like, okay, diet and exercise. And so if you immediately jump into that protocol, the next time that you have a thought like that, well, of course, that's the first place that your mind is going to go because that's what you've done before. But if you want to reroute that path, you have to start taking those brave steps to kind of like cut through the nutrition jungle and to find a new path that you can take, even though it's going, you're going to meet more resistance and it's going to be harder at first. You know that on the other side of things, it's going to be better for you in the long term. Yes. And I like that you said jungle because I do say something about it, that in my book, creating a new path through the forest. But at first it's going to be filled with, you're going to have to take a machete to get through all those big branches and trees and stuff to forge this new path. But the more you keep at it, the more you keep doing it, the path will start to get softer. Some grass will start growing. You'll start getting some flowers along the way. And that will be the path that your brain's going to want to take instead of the old easy worn path that really wasn't serving you. Exactly. Okay. So given what you know and all of your experience that you've gone through in recovering and healing and everything, if you could go back to the day you got diagnosed with what you know now, what would be some advice that you would give to yourself? Uh, And maybe I'll go with diagnosis of like, just in general, knowing that 
this was stemming from gut imbalances, maybe the chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia just started in the gut. Um, I would go back and give myself an understanding that I, it would be super beneficial if I could move forward in a way that allows me to partner with my body instead of to battle it, that my body's not my enemy, that we're in this together. I think that's, that would have changed, maybe shortened <laughs> the duration of time that it took me to heal. Um, I think that would be the big thing. I really did feel like I was fighting my body. And I think a lot of people feel that way, no matter if they have a crippling diagnosis like mold or Lyme or an autoimmune disease, it's, it's really easy to feel like especially when you're somebody who does all of the things that you feel like you're, you know, quote, supposed to be doing, you've done the food piece, you've done the supplement piece, you've gone to all the doctors and everything, and still your body's not getting better. It's really easy to feel like, how dare you? I'm doing all of these things and you're still betraying me. Like, what else am I supposed to do? It's really easy to feel like, well, I might as well just give up and, you know, not do anything because it's basically amounting to the same thing. And that's funny because give up and not do anything is actually what ends up healing. <laughs> I mean, you can just succumb to it and say, I hear you, body. I hear you. I'm willing to listen and just stop and just be. That's actually where the healing is. Yeah. It's so tough to come to that realization, though, especially when you're deep in it. <laughs> well, because we're taught to do. And this is a doing culture. Got to keep doing to get to the answers, to get to the, to the finish line. Right. Well, so speaking of looking for answers, which always makes us feel a little bit better, right? Even if it's a crappy diagnosis, you're like, okay, at least I have this. And then I can go be a doer and look for things, right? One line that you have in your book that I absolutely love that I think a lot of people will connect with says, the illness I suffered had no explanation, no prognosis, and the absence of an explanation stripped my suffering of its legitimacy. This is so incredibly common with so many of the people that I see in my practice with the functional medicine doctor that I work for all over the place, right? Especially in autoimmune disease and gut conditions. You see this a lot, right? But definitely with mold, definitely with Lyme, you know. People go into a practitioner and get the white coat syndrome. They're like, all right, I have all these problems. I'm going to lay them on the table and they're going to tell me what's wrong. And then if the labs don't come back out of range, if there's not something that's like screaming at the medical professional, they're like, oh, it's just in your head. Or, oh, just lose some weight. It'll fix it, which we know Neither of those are the solution. And so then you walk away feeling extremely discouraged, but then second guessing yourself like, oh, is it, am I really, am I making this up? Like, is it all in my head? So how did you work through that? Well, and it's not just you wanting to know that you have something to, 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 assure yourself that it's not all in your head, but you also want to have something to tell friends and family so that they think don't think you're just making it up and you're just wanting attention um i don't know that i gracefully found a way <laughs> to grapple with that um 
I wanted diagnoses. I wanted, that's my logical scientific brain wanted to have different answers. Um, yeah, I don't think I gracefully figured out a way to work through that until, you know, I really started to heal and realized that I didn't need it. Um, I was enough. I could heal without having that external validation telling me that I was sick. Right. And I think you show that really beautifully in the book as well as because even even if there is an absence of an explanation, your suffering, your symptoms are still legitimate, right? If you are experiencing something and you feel like there's something's wrong, right? Coming back to your intuition, you don't need a diagnosis. You don't need something on that to validate that there is something wrong. You are the only listeners. <laughs> you are the only person who knows what it's like to live and feel good in your body. And if you feel that something is off, then it's time to tune in and try and figure out what that is. And yes, you can definitely use the help of a medical professional, dietitian, nutritionist, health coach, life coach, whatever it is to help guide you toward that answer, but you have it. Yes. Beautiful. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> I try. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Well, Carrie, this has been so, so fun and so nice and just like refreshing to hear your story. And I hope this gives a lot of people hope. Um, so in addition to just our conversation, if people want to learn more about you and go read your book when it comes out, please tell them where they can find you when the book comes out and when they can get it. Mostly post on Instagram. That's my favorite. So that's my favorite platform. And it's avocado to Zen, but it's with dots in between avocado dot to dot Zen. People used to think when I didn't have the dots that it was avocado dozen or something. And then um, my website is avocado to zen.com. The book is coming out April 30th. It's going with my gut. And that's all that information will be on Instagram and on the website. It's already there. So, and then I have Facebook too, but I tend to prefer Instagram. Same. <laughs> Same. Well, thank you so much. This has been really fun. And I will put all of that information in the show notes. And I'm really looking forward to people being able to read your book. Thank you. It was so nice to reconnect, Dana. Hey there. Thanks for listening to the Real Talk with Dana podcast with me, your host, Dana, obviously. And I just wanted to say, you're the best. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your family and friends. Maybe send a five-star rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Why would you do that, you ask? Because this helps more people find the show so that we can spread the food and body peace word, break down diet culture, and the unrealistic beauty standards that make us all feel like we need to shrink ourselves with food and exercise in order to be worthy in the world, which sucks. For discussion on the show episodes, if you want to request a guest or ask a question, if you'd like some support, please join the non-diet community on Facebook, which is a free group where you can go get some community and support. I'll see you over there and see you next week.